Hi, this is Bill Woods again up here in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I just uh, a little bit late on getting this sermon out, but I wanted to make sure that I had the facts as straight as I could make them. I want to talk today about wars and rumors of war, and Jesus said that there would be those those uh, wars and rumors of wars in the last days, and I believe. You know, what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to lift my remarks out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. There's other passages, too, that deal with prophecy. I know that what I'm going to talk about, I think, is the Battle of Armageddon. Some of the people think it's the Battle of Gog and Magog. But whatever it is, I know that there's judgment coming and that uh, you and I need to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and walk with him as best we can. You know, uh, people are watching with alarm as Russia is invading Ukraine right now. And people are asking the question, is this current war going on in the Ukraine, the Battle of Gog and Magog? Is the Battle of Gog and Magog the same as the Battle of Armageddon? Will the Battle of Armageddon be World War III? What's going to happen? Uh, and people are panicky. Well, first let me say that the Battle of Armageddon will not occur until after the Tribulation. It will take place just before Christ returns to set up his millennial reign on earth, or that thousand years where he's going to throw Satan into the bottomless pit, and he's going to straighten the world out like it needs to be. For a thousand years. However, Jesus did say one of the signs of the end times would be wars and rumors of wars, and we're certainly seeing that warning fulfilled in today's world. Even though what we are seeing in Ukraine today is not the Battle of Armageddon, it's interesting to note that the nations listed in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are lined up on the right sides for the Battle of Armageddon for the first time in history. It's not hard to assume that because they are assembled correctly that the Battle of Armageddon can't be too far off. I'll give you the list of nations as found in Ezekiel in a little while, but first I want to look at the prophetic time frame leading up to that momentous battle. I hold a pre-tribulation view of Christ's second coming. That means that I believe Jesus will rescue his church with the rapture before the tribulation or at least very early in the tribulation. If the church is the bride of Christ, as we're told in the Bible, it's only reasonable that the bridegroom wouldn't let his beloved bride suffer the agony of the tribulation. Besides, the tribulation is a time of judgment and punishment for sin. Christ has redeemed his church and wouldn't punish righteous people as sinners. I hope that you're part of the redeemed church, that you confessed your sins to Jesus and you're part of God's family. With that in mind, the next event that must happen is the rapture of the church. You know, Jesus Christ won't come all the way to earth at that time, but will catch his bride, the church, away from the world and take her to the marriage feast of the Lamb. This event is revealed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And I'm reading from the ESV version. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We find the same event described in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 55. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? At the rapture, the church and the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth to be with Christ at his marriage feast. This will remove all restraints that have held Satan from doing all the evil that he wants to inflict upon the earth's population. Antichrist will be turned loose, and all hell will break loose on those left behind for the seven years of tribulation. And you do not want to be here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7 says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Though who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. That would be God's people and God's Holy Spirit that's restraining things from going to total evil like will happen during the tribulation. Satan can't do anything original. He can only try to counterfeit what God does. He wants to be worshipped like God, and so he has created for himself an evil trinity to mimic God's triune Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Satan has declared himself in the place of the Father. The Antichrist corresponds to Jesus, the Son, and the false prophet corresponds to God's Holy Spirit. These three demonic beings will rule the earth for seven years. This is uh, what Daniel wrote about in Daniel's 70th week in his prophecy. This will be the tribulation described in Revelation 4 through 18 which will include the mark of the beast and horrible persecution from the evil trinity and horrific judgment from God. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, because it was revealed to him from Jesus Christ, 
He pictured this judgment as a series of 21 events inaugurated by the breaking of seven seals, the blowing of seven trumpets, and the pouring out of seven bowls filled with God's wrath. This final judgment on the sinfulness of man shows how serious God is about sin. Those not covered by the blood of Christ will receive the payment exacted from God. What happens will make Stephen King's writing seem like child's play. The climax of the seven-year tribulation will be the Battle of Armageddon when three major armies, the army from the south led by Egypt, the army from the north led by Russia, and the army from the east led by China will combine their efforts to wrest power from the Antichrist, who is the king of the west, because of his cruel reign and the judgments that have fallen upon them. The Bible says the armies will gather and will total 200 million soldiers, and they will be ready to overtake Jerusalem. The carnage from this battle will be so bad that the Bible says blood will flow in the river in a river up to the horse's reins, about four and a half feet deep, for 180 miles. That's said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 20. It will take Israel seven months to bury the dead. The weapons of warfare will be burned for seven years, and there'll be no need to get firewood from the forest. Ezekiel 39, 9 and 10. Jerusalem will be the focal point for this invasion, but the war will be interrupted by the second coming of Jesus Christ. This time, he's coming all the way to earth, and he'll be followed by his army of redeemed saints. That means if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you and I will be in the army to see exactly what happens there when Jesus Christ comes to reestablish himself in his creation of the earth. The war will change as all the armies turn to combine their efforts against Jesus. Up till now, they will be fighting one another. Now everybody will try to fight Jesus and try to hold him off. And Christ will instantly end the battle with a word from his mouth. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword which will, uh, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. All the nations of the earth will be involved in this final showdown between good and evil, but Ezekiel specifies nations. Let's identify the alignment of nations in this passage from Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his hordes, Beth Torgama, with all the uttermost parts of the north, with all their his hordes, many peoples are with you. Who is God talking to? 
Well, Gog. He starts out uh, to Gog, and commentators really have not identified Gog for certain. Some think that it might be a demonic principality over this region of the world. Remember, Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places. And uh, some commentators think this is a principality over this region of the world. Some identify Gog with the leader of Russia, which would be Putin right now. Some think it was an evil ruler of times gone by, but we cannot identify for sure who he was talking about when he said Gog. Magog is a land in the far north. No, most commentators interpret Magog as Russia, which is straight north of Israel, all the way up to the Arctic Circle. According to this view, Reich is a reference to Russia. Meshach is either Moscow or the people north of the Black Sea, the area of southern Russia and the Ukraine, and Tubal is always listed with Meshach and identified as a city in Siberia or an area in Turkey. Persia is Iran, Kush is North Sudan and Egypt, Put is Libya, Gomer is Ukraine, and Beth Targoma and Tubal are Turkey and Syria. The king of the West is America and the United States, uh, uh, the United Kingdom, excuse me. The king will be led by the Antichrist who will force every person to receive his mark on their right hand or forehead. And those who refuse will be decapitated. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. The Antichrist will want to control Jerusalem because God declared it to be his city. Antichrist will put his image in the temple in Jerusalem, which will be rebuilt by that time. And by the way, they have all the materials they need to rebuild the third temple. Everything is ready. They have the uh, red uh, heifer for the sacrifice. And they're being the priests are being trained for morning and evening sacrifices. So it's not that far away. Prophecy is coming and being fulfilled in so many different ways. And we need to pay attention. But anyhow, Antichrist will put his image in the temple in Jerusalem and proclaim that he is God and demand that people worship him. I suggest that you study Ezekiel 38 and 39, Isaiah chapter 50, Daniel 7, uh, chapter 7 through 12, Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21, and Revelation for a panoramic view of the days that are just ahead. God has given us plenty of warning to get ready to meet him. There will not be any excuse why when you meet God, you should not be able to tell him that he should let you into heaven because Jesus Christ, his son, died for your sins and you've accepted Christ's plan in your life. You know, people often want to ignore prophecy of the end times because it scares them. Hiding your head won't stop what is coming. You would you'd be better served if you knew what lies ahead and prepare for those days by getting your heart right with Jesus Christ. I hear folks say, well, I leave Revelation clear alone because I don't understand it and it frightens me. You know, most people think Revelation is only about judgment. But Revelation doesn't end with judgment. Instead, it ends with the, where the Bible began with paradise. More than judgment for evildoers, Revelation is about hope for those who have been faithful to Jesus Christ. 
And to ignore the warnings God has given is dumber than it would be to have a winning ticket from the lottery and not cash it in until after the deadline for claiming it and then find out that you don't get to have that million dollars or whatever it was. But I want you to know what God wants to give you far outweighs any earthly treasure. Claim it before it's too late and you miss the rapture and that you end up in hell for all eternity. I think one of the worst things that's going to be a part of hell is the fact people will know they were warned. They didn't have to go there. Uh, by the way, God does not send people to hell. God has provided a way so that you could go to heaven with him. And if you go to hell, it's because you have made the personal choice to do that. You have made the choice to turn God away. Don't do that. Let Jesus Christ be your Savior. Confess your sins to him. Ask him to come into your life, into your heart. Change your ways. Repent of your sins and change your life and begin living a life that's holy and acceptable unto Jesus Christ. My friend, I want you to know there's some rough days coming. I know that as we listen to the news about the Great Reset and how our economy is going to go south and, and the prices uh, and inflation and all, I know that we're panicky. But I know also that if you will put your hand in the hand of Jesus Christ and accept his plan for your life, he promises as your day so shall your strength be. He promises never to leave you or forsake you. And I want you to know the most important place you can be is in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, I, I know rough days are coming. You've told us they were. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you warned us that they're not going to come and catch us by surprise because you told us about all this. We want to ask you, Jesus, to give us the wisdom to accept your plan in our lives, to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. There are people that are listening to this podcast right now that have hardened their hearts that don't want to submit their lives to Jesus Christ. They're going to be sorry for all eternity if they don't change their ways. Lord, we know that hell wasn't created for human beings. It was created for Satan and his fallen angels. And if we go there, we go there as intruders. Help us, Lord, to realize there's no need for any of us to end up in hell because you have promised us that if we would accept you as our personal Savior, we'd be forgiven of our sins, we'd become part of your family, and we would be able to spend eternity with you. Praise God. I pray today, Lord, that each one of us will take seriously the warnings that you have given us and find Jesus as our personal Savior. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now listen, if you want to get a hold of me, you can contact me through my email, which is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Or you can contact me by sending a mail through the United States Post Office. My box number is 4031 Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And if you're interested in finding out more about my sermons that I have preached, I do have a website, and it's uh, called churchofthegalilean.com. That would be all lowercase uh, letters, C-H-U-R-C-H-O-F, 
T-H-E-G-A-L-I-L-E-A-N.com. That's all one word crammed together. And you'd be able to find my website and be able to hear this sermon and probably 70 or 80 other sermons that I've preached throughout the day since I began putting things online. God bless you. We'll be talking to you again. I do hope that you'll take the warnings and accept Christ as your personal Savior.